Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. Awesome. I get to continue talking to us today about our tectonic faith. We have been in a series discussing what happens to a faith that rises under pressure when the plates in your life, when the what seemed stable in your life starts pressing in, that we have a faith that stands up, that becomes the mountains and the pillars of our faith, that the topography of your life is defined by the critical, challenging moments, and that we don't have a faith that creates deep, gaping spaces in our life, but a faith that rises up that the pressure in our life produces who we are, that the pressure in our life produces the power and the presence of God in our life, that we're not afraid or intimidated by what's happening, but that we press into it. I think somebody wrote a book called Don't Curse Your Crisis. Come on, our bishop wrote a book years ago called Don't Curse Your Crisis because there are things that you can lean into in the midst of crisis that you can't lean into in any other time in your life. There are things that get built and get formed in you that can't get built or formed in you in any other time in your life like they can during the midst of a crisis. So I'm glad that we can lean in with a tectonic faith that says, I rise under pressure. And today specifically, I wanna talk to you about a hidden faith, about your hidden faith that causes your faith to stand up and to rise up. Last week, Phil came up here and he told you all that we have been watching The Last Dance. Now, The Last Dance, if you haven't seen it, is the story of the 1990 Chicago Bulls and of Michael Jordan leading them to multiple championships and just the incredible rise of his, of his skill, the incredible rise of this team that wasn't very good at the beginning of the decade, moving to be probably one of the most famous NBA teams of all time. Even if you don't really follow basketball, you've probably heard of the Bulls and of Michael Jordan and how they won championship after championship. Now, I have a little side story, which is that I was talking to my brother earlier this week and I told him, oh yeah, I've been watching The Last Dance. It's been really great. It's been really interesting. Have you seen it? To which he said back to me, mm, no, that doesn't sound like something I would watch. And I knew in that moment that I had the upper hand. I was in the moment that all siblings love because I thought he doesn't know what this show is. And this has really nothing to do with what I'm gonna talk about today, except for the fact that I want everyone to now know that I had the upper hand on my brother, because I don't care how old you are, or how old you get, or how mature you get in life, there's something about when you know that you have the upper hand on your sibling that just really makes you feel good, doesn't it? You just know you've hit a sweet spot. And so I said to him, what do you think this show is? And he said, probably some trashy reality show about dancers or people like that. And I knew it. I said, yes. No, it's not that. It is an incredible documentary series. And I explained to him exactly what it is, what all of you know that it is, because you're up on the latest television. <laughs> and then he said, oh, that sounds really interesting. I should go find that. And I said, yes, you should. And I celebrated my moment of victory. 
which has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But what I found interesting, so Phil reminded us about how Michael Jordan had this moment of halftime and really the halftime moment didn't determine where he was going, that that score didn't matter to him. The score that mattered was the score at the end. And I want to remind you today, as we approach midway through our year, and how many of us know that this year looks nothing like we thought it was going to look. All of those goals that you charted out in January and all of those dream boards that you set up in January and started envisioning what your 2020 was going to look like, embarking on a new decade, and then March hit, or February, if you're a little bit more international, and we started saying, what is happening to this year? And potentially midway through your year, you are thinking and you are wondering, where has my year gone? Let me remind you that your halfway score does not determine what your year is made up of yet. Your halfway score is not the end of your story for this year because we still have a whole nother half and we still have a miracle working, incredible God who is able to press in on your life. But what I wanna talk about is the way that Michael Jordan would push back when it looked like things were falling down. I started thinking about that 93 Eastern Finals championship when they're facing the New York Knicks and the Knicks come in and they win the first two games and it looks like the momentum is leaning in a different direction and in the midst of the Knicks winning the first two games and it looks like maybe the momentum is going against the Bulls and they're going to be dethroned as the champions that they are all of the sudden the media also starts reporting for the first time in his history negative things about Michael Jordan and I don't know if you've ever been in one of those moments where you feel like it's not just this area of my life that's not going how I wanted. It's not just on the court that I'm not winning anymore, but it's off the court as well that's now pushing in on me. You know, when you felt like I could have handled them laying me off because I understand how that happened and I understand what's going on in the climate. And so I was prepared to deal with that. But then the, the unemployment took longer than they told me that it was going to take as well and the website kept crashing and so I felt like it was pressing in on me. I could have handled still going to work while other people got to stay home and be safe but then they told me that the daycare was closing as well and so I wasn't sure how to handle that pressure in my life. I wasn't sure how to navigate my business through this time and through this situation but I felt like I could probably give my attention to that as well but then my relationships in my life started turning up and started acting funny at the same time. I could handle the world being in a pandemic, but the truth is that the rest of my life kept going on and kept happening in the midst of it. And so people were still sick and people were still dying and people were still getting married and babies were still being born and people were still looking to me for answers. And it wasn't that there was just one thing in my life that was moving. It's that the plates that I thought I was building the foundation of my life on started colliding into to one another and I wondered what am I supposed to do when I feel like the attack is on every side and when I feel like the foundation is moving on every side I don't know if you found yourself in a moment where you said it wasn't just the one thing because I knew how to focus on the court thing I knew how to come back in the middle of a game but now I have this other noise over here as well and I felt like maybe I could have dealt with the media thing in my life and maybe I would have known how to answer them but I have this other thing in my life over here and 
I feel like I'm being pulled back and forth, but there are some people who back down in those moments. They throw up their hands, they wave their white flag, they say it's been too much, and they give in to the momentum pulling them in a different direction. But Michael Jordan, in those moments, he found another gear. Even if you don't like basketball, it is beauty to watch. It is dance. It is poetry on a, a court. When he starts moving and passing and making shot after shot after shot because he knew when things started pressing in, not how to back down and wave the flag and say, I guess there's next year and we'll try again in 2021. He knew how to dig deep and say, there's something else on the inside of me and I'm not giving up yet. And he knew how to push that thing through. I want to know if you have a faith that sits down when everything in your life starts colliding or a faith that stands up when everything in your life starts colliding. A faith that knows how to plant your feet like Phil told us last week and say, I'm not moving from the place that God has spoken to me. I'm not giving up the promise that he has spoken to me. Hebrews 10.39 says it this way. It's one of my life scriptures. I find the older that I am in life, the more life scriptures that I have. I used to have like one or two. Now I have like pages that I go, oh, this is a life scripture because it becomes a life scripture when God brings it to you in a season or in a moment and says, I'm speaking this word over you. And time and time again, Hebrews 10:39 is a scripture that I come to. It's a scripture that I read to our team when we first had to go and work from home. And I said, this is part of the word we're standing on in this season. And now I want to speak it to us as a church and say, this is part of the word that we're standing on in this season. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. When you shrink back, you leave space for destruction to move into that space. We are not of those who shrink back, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Come on, of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I don't know where you're watching from and I don't know what your week has looked back, looked like, but you are a person of faith who has faith and who does not shrink back. When your world starts pushing in on you, you don't give up that space. You don't wave your white flag. You lean in with faith. You lean in with strength. Come on, say, put your name in the middle of that scripture that I am not a person who shrinks back. Come on, Meredith is not a person who shrinks back. John is not a person who shrinks back. Tracy is not a person who shrinks back but who presses forward with faith. Put your name inside that scripture. Come on, if you're watching in Lima, tell the person in your household, I am not a person who shrinks back. Come on, our family in Wayne, I want you to shout it in the chat. My name is not a person who shrinks back. The way you shout in a chat is you use all caps. You use all caps in that chat and say, I am not a person who shrinks back. And we don't shrink back because we have a hidden faith. 
a hidden faith. Come on, tell somebody I have a hidden faith. A hidden faith says that I'm going to see the extraordinary demonstrations of God's power, but it stems not from what we do visibly. It stems from what we do in the hidden places of our lives. I believe part of what God is teaching his people in this season is the power of your hidden faith. Come on, in a generation that celebrates what is celebrated, yeah, we like to celebrate what other people applause. We say, if you got enough likes on it, if you got enough shares on it, if you got enough applause on it, then that must be worth celebrating. But in the kingdom of God, what's celebrated is not always what's cheered on by the crowd. What's celebrated is the depth of your faith, of what you can do in the midst of your hidden place. I'm not looking to go viral. I'm looking to be found faithful. I'm looking to be found in the place of my promise. I'm looking to hold on. I'm looking to not shrink back. And I know you can clap when everyone's clapping in this place. And I know you can declare a thing when you're called to declarations. And I know you can pray at the hour of prayer. And I know that you can sing and that you can worship when the team is leading you. But I wonder in the hidden place of your home, can you clap your hands because it breaks up the atmosphere? Can you send up a shout and a praise because he's been so good to you still? When no one sees you and no one calls you to it, can you stand up in your morning and say, I will declare over my house that we are the house of God, that we are the people of God, that we will persevere, that we will not shrink back if no one sees you doing it? Do you still have a faith that won't shrink back? The celebrated thing in your life is not coming from what you did in the crowd. It's coming from what you did in the hidden place. Yeah. And God is going to talk to us and he's going to stir in us our hidden faith this morning. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that it's here with me now. And I thank you that it goes out and meets everyone exactly where they are. I ask for your words to come clearly. I ask for us to lean into what you say today. I ask for everything that is of you to come forth with power and with clarity and everything that is just me, God, let it be forgotten. Let it fall, let it remain right here and let everything else grow deep in our lives and produce fruit in the days to come. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so you might remember that a few years ago, Bishop and Pastor Kathy were in Mexico City meeting with our churches in Mexico. So Mexico has something that we don't have here in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, and that is earthquakes. And while they were there meeting with the churches in Mexico, an earthquake happened, and they had a video of them in the building. And to be honest, the building, the video in some ways makes it look scarier than potentially the moment was because the building that they were in was built to withstand an earthquake like that. 
It was built so that it would sway and so that it would move when the plates started colliding and grinding together instead of standing stiff to fight it. So in the video, you see them swaying and you see them moving and it looks scary, but it is actually the very thing that allowed the, the building to move with the earthquake, that allowed it to survive the earthquake. If it had been too stiff and too rigid in that place, it would have cracked and it would have broken. Man, I think that's a word for somebody. Some of you are so busy trying to fight this moment, trying to get back to what was, trying to resist what is happening right here in this moment that you're on the edge of breaking because you've become so rigid. But if you would just learn to sway with it just a little bit, Learn to find a rhythm for what's happening in the here and the right now. And it's really not my point, but if we could just sway just a little bit instead of fighting this moment throughout your week when you feel that pressure leaning in, I want you to just sway with it just a little bit. But the thing about skyscrapers, the thing about tall buildings that makes them so amazing, so powerful, so beautiful is not the miles and layers of stories that you see and the extraordinary architecture that we all look at and we all marvel at. No, the thing that is amazing about skyscrapers is what happens underneath. It's the hidden thing that happens for a skyscraper. See, uh, a skyscraper foundation, the substructure, the hidden structure of a skyscraper has to go all the way to bedrock when they dig it down. They have to dig until they find the solid bedrock, a smooth bedrock foundation to build the substructure of that, of that skyscraper on top of. Now, to give you a little perspective, maybe your house is built a few feet deep for the substructure or the foundation of your house. Digging to bedrock can take hundreds to even thousands of feet below the earth's surface. So there is often as much happening below a skyscraper as there is happening above it. And it is the thing that we don't see about the skyscraper, that part of it that goes all the way down to the bedrock that allows it to go all the way up into the clouds and the sky and allows it to stand in the midst of the weather and the storms that come by. I seem to remember Jesus talking about two men, one who built his house on shifting sand and one who built his house on a solid foundation, on a rock, on a bedrock that won't be moved in the midst of a storm, on a bedrock that won't be shaken when the earth around it is moving. Matthew 7, 24 and 25 says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat the house in the midst of the pandemic, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Amen. Tectonic faith starts with building our lives on the bedrock of Jesus on building our lives on the foundation of who he is and what he taught. There's a key word in that scripture that says, and does these things. The question is not, have you only heard these things, but then in the hidden places of your life, have you done these 
things. We have a faith that doesn't shrink back in the midst of uncertainty because it's not built on every moving thing that might be coming. It's not built on the latest fad and it's not built on what the news is saying and it's not built on what's happening around me or what's blowing around me. It's built on the solid bedrock of God's word. In the hidden place, we have to start rehearsing and memorizing scripture so that when those things come, what rises up is not fear. What rises up isn't just what we've heard from any source that day. What rises up is the word and the character of God. Do you have life scriptures that come up inside of you when life starts pressing in on you? Because we are not of those who shrink back. We have a hidden place that stirs in us a solid foundation. You know, in our scripture from Hebrews that we read, Hebrews 10, 39, it leads then right into Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, that's often referred to as the hall of faith. It lists out men and women who had incredible stories of faith throughout the Old Testament. And the thing that I love about these men and women is that their faith was not proven. And the reason they got written into this portion of scripture is not because of the easy times in their life. It's not how they held to their faith in the midst of the good times. It's not how they held to the, their faith in the midst of their plain seasons. It's how they held to their faith in the midst of their trials. It's how they held to their faith in the midst of everything shaking and shifting and moving around them. And Hebrews 11 starts like this in verse one. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen the conviction of things in the hidden place. I have to have a conviction in me about the things that I have not yet seen, but that God has spoken over my life. A conviction that says there is a hidden place in God and I won't back down until it becomes my present reality. Now faith. Now faith is. Now faith. Faith is part of my right now. I have to find a now faith in my hidden place. A faith that says right here in the midst of this moment, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this shaking, in the midst of this shifting, I have a now faith, not a faith that just holds on to the past, not a faith that just exists in the stories of yesterday, not a faith that just feeds on what you did for someone else. Yes, those things feed my faith, but my faith can't be allowed to live in my past. And not a faith that ethereally only exists for my tomorrow. Hopefully I reach it one day. Not a faith that only promises me what I might someday reach out there that I can't ever quite grasp onto. No, faith is a thing. And faith is part of what I have. It is part of my inheritance. And we have to have a faith that says, in the midst of this moment, I'm not gonna leave my faith on either side of my story, but I'm gonna grab my faith and pull it right here into my right now moment that my faith was built for this moment, for this shift for this shaking. Yes, I know what it did for them and I have belief for what it can do for my tomorrow, but I need a faith that comes right here that is a now faith. 
Where is your faith? Where is your faith? There's a story about Jesus and some of his disciples and they're crossing the waters and the storm comes raging against them and the disciples wake up Jesus and they say, what are we going to do? And he speaks and he calms the storm. You've, pro storm. You've probably heard this story. And after the storm is calmed, he looks to his disciples and he said, where is your faith? Which tells me that their faith was something that they could access. Their faith was something that they could choose. And he started asking them, where did you put it in the midst of this situation? Did you tuck it away and think that it wasn't built for this moment? Did you leave your faith in January? Did you leave your faith on that vision board? No, you have a faith that was made for this moment. And when we come out of this particular shaking, when we come out of this particular shifting, when we get to whatever tomorrow looks like, and I wanna assure you that your tomorrow does not look like your yesterday. So if you're waiting to come out to get back to what was, your direction and your focus is in the wrong place because God is moving his people and he is using this moment to accelerate some things in our lives and in our church and in our faith and to position us not for our yesterday, but for our tomorrow. And when we come out, is he gonna ask you, where was your faith? Or are you going to say, I brought my faith into this now moment. Amen. I brought my faith right here into my present trial, into my present suffering, into my present questions, into my present uncertainties. My faith doesn't say, I see exactly what's happening. My faith says that I know that you are working in the midst of it. And our right now faith is built by our confidence and our endurance. By our confidence and our endurance. A hidden faith is a confident faith. Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward. Don't take your confidence and throw it off in the middle of the situation. Don't take your confidence and lay it down like yesterday's coat, like it's something you're gonna leave behind. No, hold on to your confidence, not confidence in your skill, not confidence in your knowledge, not confidence in your ability, because I guarantee you, unless you are 130 years old, that you have not seen a moment like this before. You don't have past experience that told you how to lead your company through this situation. You don't have past experience that told you how to keep your household together when everyone is crushed in on top of each other. But what you have is a confidence in God, a confidence in the character of who he is, a confidence in his unchanging, unshakable nature. In the midst of your storm, in the midst of your trial, you have a confidence in who God is. And in the midst of my trial moment, I will credit the character of God over the conflict of my moment. I will credit the character of who God is over the conflict of the moment that I find myself in. Later in Hebrews 11, it tells us, it gives us a little bit more about the story of Abraham and Isaac that we read about in Genesis. Because it tells us that when God asked Abraham to take up Isaac and to sacrifice him, that Abraham reasoned in himself. 
that God could bring Isaac back that he would resurrect him. You know what it tells me is that in his conflict moment, when Abraham said, the thing that's going on in front of me and the promise that I've heard you speak don't seem to match up. There's conflict in this situation that Abraham credited the character of God over that conflict. He said, I don't understand this moment, but I understand my God because I have built my life on the foundation of who he is. I know who he is and I know his character and I know that he is a loving God and I know that he is a giving God and I know that he is a miracle working God. So when I'm looking at this conflict, I won't give credit to the conflict. I'll give credit to my God. And then hidden faith is faith of endurance. Faith that lasts, faith that goes the distance, faith that keeps on keeping on. And Hebrews 11 is buffered on each end, it's bookend on each side by this idea of an enduring faith. In Hebrews 10:36, it says, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised that through your endurance, you may receive what is promised. And then when it leads right into chapter 12, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you can hardly read just that first little portion without just breaking out in faith and in strength. When it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a cloud that grows stronger as people of righteousness and of faith begin to ascend into their eternity in heaven. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that was set out before us looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with endurance. Endurance has to do with our ability to keep pressing in, to keep not shrinking back. I know it took everything in you three months ago to rally up and say, okay, if this is what I'm looking at, then I won't shrink back from this moment. And I know you thought it was gonna be a couple of weeks and then we were gonna come back out. And as those weeks turned into months, you started saying, I don't know if I can do this for much longer. I don't know how much longer I can keep walking in this path. I don't know how much longer. And as they give us different reports and some of them sound like it's gonna be really soon and some of them sound like we may never come out and you feel your faith faltering a little bit, I want you to remember that your faith doesn't shrink back, but it endures. It continues to stand up. It continues to rise again. It continues to press into that place. You have an enduring faith. A couple of years ago, I ran a half marathon. And when I started training for that half marathon is really when God started speaking to me about this idea of the hidden places in our life. 
because there is so much of what we do that is done for the crowd, that is done for the public. And I'm not trying to pretend like we don't do it. When I post photos of our boys and I position them just right and I layer the things and I go and move all the junk off the table so I can take a photo of our dinner, I do just like you do, okay? I don't post all the crazy junk. And even, you know the weird thing about where we are, you're a mom too. <clears throat> So like, even if you want to post a photo of like, look at the mess that my kids made today, right? You position that mess so that it has an aesthetically pleasing appeal on the other side. You look and you say, oh, there aren't really enough like red Legos in this situation. So let me go get a couple red ones and I'm gonna re-put this blanket that they left here so you can get it just right. Yeah, Tracy definitely does because she has an excellent Instagram game. But there is too much of what we do that's done for the crowd. There should be some things in our life that are done in the hidden place. There should be some things in our life that are saved for the private space of our life. And not because it's bad to post when you're working out or when you're exercising. That might be the inspiration that someone else needs. But when I started training for this particular half marathon, I heard God say to me, I don't want you to post anything about you training for this marathon. I don't want you to talk about it. I don't want you to put it out. I don't want you to look for public accolades or for public pressure to keep you in your place. I want you to do it because this is about you and me. We have to find the hidden places in our life because then when I finished that race, I posted a photo of the finish line, of the celebration of the medal that they gave me, of the moderately acceptable time that I finished my half marathon in. I got to post all of those things. There are things that need to happen in your hidden place that will bring you to the place of celebrating the victory that God is giving you in your life. And our endurance comes from our training and from our focus from our training and from our focus. It says, train yourself in godliness. Train yourself in the ways of his righteousness. Train yourself to turn to worship in the midst of your trial. Train yourself to turn to his celebrating nature in the midst of what's coming in against you. Train yourself to stand up and praise and worship and thanksgiving. Train your body to be an acceptable sacrifice in his presence. Train yourself in the spiritual disciplines. We have to train ourselves in the things of God. And we have to learn to put our focus where he has called it. It says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he had a focus that said, I see the cross and I see the pain of that moment and I know that I have to go through it, but I have the ability to focus around that thing and see a joy on the other side of it. We have to get an eternal focus about what is happening that maybe there is a moment that God is walking you through that isn't about this moment. It's about your eternal character. It's about forming you more in the nature of God. It's about who you're gonna reach out to in the middle of that situation that you have a focus to keep moving through that moment. Your focus will help you endure in the midst of it. Your focus will help you keep pressing, keep showing up, keep standing up. Because we have a hidden faith 
A faith that is built on a firm foundation. A faith that is a right now faith that pulls my faith in to this present moment. A faith that has great confidence and great endurance. I know that you have a hidden faith. A faith that will endure this moment. A faith that will carry you through. You have a hidden faith that's not just there for the celebration of the crowd, but a hidden faith that is taking you deeper into the presence of God. That you will become stronger. That you will become better. That you will become more like Jesus when the plates and the shifting around you start colliding. That there is something in you that rises up and becomes the moment in your life that you say, God did that thing that other people can look at and can marvel and say, there's something about your faith that I need part of. And the church of Jesus Christ is not in jeopardy because it has a hidden faith like skyscrapers, like a city set on a hill. There is something deeper within us, more than the things that you see, more than the lights and the cameras and the action, more than all of the things that we demonstrate. Those are all wonderful ways for us to demonstrate the wonder and the uniqueness of how God has created us, that he has given us all different talents and treasures to come and display his glory. But there is more to us. There is a hidden part. And I don't want you to be nervous that the church isn't going to survive this moment. Oh, no, baby. The church has survived every moment since that first Pentecost Sunday. And we will survive this moment because I want you to know that we're not just holding on in the midst of it, but that we have a don't shrink back kind of faith, that we are still taking ground in the midst of this moment, that the devil is going to wish that he would have never stood against us or pressed against us. Because when you think that you're pushing against the church, of an unchanging God. We're not going to shrink back, but we're going to stand up all the more. I want you to know that people are being saved through what's happening in this ministry, just in this church. And in the global church, thousands are coming to Christ through this moment, are being added to the family of God. Don't think that just because you didn't see them come down here at this altar, that the Spirit of God didn't rise up in them. People are being prayed for. Families are being restored. People are leaving bad relationships and abusive situations and running home. Wisdom is rising up in people. Healing is rising up in people. The church is doing what it has always done. It is standing in the place that God has called us to stand in. And it is pressing in to the moment. Because your faith and my faith and the faith of this church and the faith of the global church is not built on just anything that we created. It is built on the unshakable, unchanging nature of a man named Jesus. Of a man who when he walked on the earth, the enemy tried to push in on him and he just got better when it looked like everything was shaking around him, when it looked like he had come to the breaking point, when it looked like everything was done. It was just the moment that he was about to do his best work. When the enemy took him all the way to the cross and death on that cross, when they put him in a tomb left for dead in a hidden place and it looked like things were over, he was just working a new depth of what was happening in the midst of that hidden place. 
And when he could have just risen and ascended straight to heaven, he decided not to just rise and ascend to heaven, but instead to go deeper first and to plunder the gates of hell, just to prove the point that you shouldn't ever step against God. You shouldn't ever step against the people of God because in the pressing, we don't shrink back. We press forward and we become better than we ever were. So he plundered the gates of hell first and then he rose again and then he showed himself to his people. And then he said, through my death, burial and resurrection, I did the very thing that I came here to do in the first place, which is create an avenue for you to come back in to right relationship with God, for you to come home to the kingdom of God. And just like Jesus, you are going to rise in this moment and his church is going to rise in this moment. And before we leave today, I'm going to pray for believers. I'm going to pray for the people and for the family of God and believe that God is gonna strengthen your faith, that you have a faith that doesn't shrink back. But before we do that, there are people who in this moment, now is your moment to say, I wanna place my faith, I wanna place my belief, I wanna place my life in the hands of Jesus. I believe that he died and rose again. I don't understand it all, but I have faith for this moment and I'm coming home to him. If that's you, I want you to lean into this moment. People of God, the family of God, I want you to pray right now for those who are coming home. Let us know you're praying. Drop some praying hands in the chat right now as we pray that hearts are being stirred, that the Holy Spirit is drawing people back into the kingdom of God because today is your day. You don't have to wait till this moment is over. You don't have to wait until you can get to a building. You don't have to wait until you can get to your cousin who always goes to church. God is coming to you right where you are. If that's you, we have a link that you can click there so we can walk this out with you. You can drop, you know, a hands up or a smiley face in the chat so we can connect with you and you can let us know. But more than anything, I want you to open that place in your heart because the beginning of a faith that doesn't shrink back, of a life that doesn't shrink back, is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. If that's you, I wanna pray with you. I wanna invite you to say these words out loud. Even if there's no one around you, there's power in your voice. There's power in the enemy hearing what you're saying. There's power in you hearing the commitment that you're making today. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life now. I thank you for your finished work of the cross. I know that I don't have all the answers. I know that there will be more trials ahead, but I believe in you. And I want a faith that doesn't shrink back. Teach me how to walk with you. Teach me how to follow you. And I'll do it for the rest of my life. In your name, amen. 
hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you want to sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Just simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.